We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, and welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 128. Our guest today is the executive director of the Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy, which is a nonprofit organization that was founded to preserve the life, legacy, and culture of Black urban cowboys in the city of Philadelphia, which just announced the launch of its new fundraising campaign, Fresh Start for Philly Youth. So please welcome our guest today, Erin Brown. I am so excited to hear your story. I kind of wanted to hear how you first got into the horse world and how you were first introduced to it to start. Pretty unique, I guess. My dad, one of his companies is a a welding fabrication company. And basically it's like step rails and window guards, anything that requires welding. So a couple of the local horsemen in Philadelphia, like the Urban Black Cowboys, they would bring their trailers to him, their horse trailers for like, you know, small repair jobs, like weld this here, weld that there. And it started off as my dad took me and my brother one day to see the horses on Fletcher Street. And I was maybe six years old and I was like fascinated and I wanted to ride and there's like chickens and goats and I loved farm animals and animals in general. So I was just like a little kid in heaven then. (laughs) <laughs> so that's pretty much how it started. What was kind of your, once you started getting into this world a little bit, what were your first impressions of it? I, I didn't really know. Like, I just wanted to, at that age, just, I don't think I, I don't even know what I wanted to do. I know I wanted to like ride and I wanted a horse. I wanted a lot of horses. I wanted like almost every breed of every color. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't really know anything about like competing and all of that other stuff. There is a guy um, named Al, Al Lynch and Wayne Harris who and Sharon Wilkins who took me under their wing at uh, Fletcher Street. So they became like this plus family after my dad did like the initial introduction. Okay. And my mom, because I lived with her, she would, you know, connect with them and bring me to the stable because it was about a good 20 minutes from where I lived and they would bring me home. So I really didn't know, like, and I just wanted to be around horses yeah. at first. <laughs> When you were going there, what kind of activities were were you working? Were you taking lessons? Were you riding? What did it, what kind of the day-to-day look like for you? Uncle Al, he gave me like this old printout. It was called the Horseman's Bible. Mm, Nice. (laughs) And I was six, so I barely was, you know, I just started reading. (laughs) But my mom helped me out a lot with that. And so day to day there, I would find myself with a broom quite often (laughs) and sweeping like this dirt 
pathway is mm. there, but you could sweep it clean. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, cleaning stalls or learn, well, I wasn't doing too much, but I was kind of like helping. I'm sure I was in a way to some of the older kids. <laughs> and if that was the case, they would, there was like this gigantic hay room and they would just plop me up on a couple bales of hay and I'm just <laughs> sitting there watching and, you know, grooming. And I remember Al telling me, which is ironic to what I'm doing today is, you know, he wanted to start me doing halter and showmanship. And I'm like, okay, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking this little weanling up and down a residential street. Mm. And that was like my kind of introduction to it. I never, to the show world, even though it never went anywhere as far as halter or showmanship then. Gotcha. At what point did you feel like, you know, you had been spending a lot of time there. You obviously grew a major passion and love for it. At what point were you like, I want horses to be a part of my future, my career, like a big part of my life moving forward? It never really dawned on me that it would be a part of my future, but it was like very, I was like growing up, like I didn't I was, I stayed to myself a lot. Like Mm -hmm. I had a friend or two here and there, but horses, I guess you could say I was on the shy side, but horses gave me this confidence booster, this voice that I, you know, mine was so little at the time. Like, so I could express myself through a horse. I was in my own little world you know, I would spend days and days looking at like this month's Horse Illustrated article and tech magazines and highlighting stuff and circling what I want for Christmas. (laughs) So it never really, even going through high school, I went to Saw Saw High School of Agricultural Sciences and with a major in equine science. And still then it was not like this this is going to be your career. If you Mm -hmm. asked me when I was younger, I was going to be a teacher or this is funny, but at a certain age, I wanted to be a nun. Yeah. Okay. I I don't, I don't know why. You don't hear that very often. (laughs) I think it's because I went to like this Catholic preschool and Uh I, the the nuns were, they were so, they were my buddies. Like I was like heartbroken when I had to go to kindergarten. Yeah. So at that age, I wanted to be a nun and then a teacher. Cool. (laughs) Love it. So even after high school, if you would say, hey, what are you going to do for a career? I'm like, I don't know. It was nothing with horses. Yes, Mm -hmm. I wanted to to still compete as a hunter or a jumper, but it was never this kind of program, riding academy Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. So in the vision. That's so interesting. Well, take me back to when you were finishing up school and you were in this life transition phase of like, what am I going to do now? How did that kind of unfold for you at that point in time? So after high school, I think I did like a year at the local community college here in Philadelphia. Okay. And there was like, this Fletcher Street was all over the news at one point in time. Mm. And, and, you know, the guy that was like, I still had my horse. No, I, I boarded my horse somewhere else. And uh, one of the guys that owns the stable, 
he called me and he was like, hey, I need you to run the stable for me. And I'm like, <laughs> 19, 20. I'm yeah. like, okay. And, you know, you get free board for your horses. I'm like, okay, at the time it was only one. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but, you know, I was living on my own and my first apartment. So it sounded great. I didn't know what came with, you know, managing a stable. Mm-hmm. I know what, you know, from being at work to ride as a boarder and boarding at other facilities, I saw how they did stuff growing, mm-hmm. growing up on Fletcher Street. I kind of like, okay, well, if I'm running a place, this is what I want. Like, and I would kind of like, I guess, imitate what I've seen in other facilities and what I think it should be. So it was like, I did, it was like this whole project for me, like myself and the owner, like there was like this new roof put on the barn, new electric. And, you know, I had arranged like with one of the boarders, he was really like a really good handyman. Everything was self-care, but I'm like, okay, you know what? You can bypass your, you know, hold your rent for the month. If you build such rebuild these stalls, like he would do a couple of months and that would be his board. So in the end, he ended up doing the whole entire barn and it was just like this beautiful place that I was, you know, so proud of like, wow, okay, I did this. (laughs) And it was, you know, it was different because you're not you're, I grew up with all a lot of these guys, and they or and a lot of them watched me grow up. The ones that are older, so it was kind of like hard for them to give me that respect. Sure. In the beginning, because you know they're like, "What? You're just Aaron or little Aaron? Like you know, <laughs> I don't have to listen to you." <laughs> so mm-hmm. that in the beginning was very trying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did the what did the Fletcher Street Sables look like? when you at that point in time and what were some maybe tweaks or adjustments that you did to put your spin on it going forward? Oh my gosh. I remember when he asked me to come <laughs> run the barn, like it was dark. It was, very <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was very dark. And, you know, a part of this was you know, the requirements of the SPCA, (laughs) which, you know, they were making sure that it was up to code. So it was very dark and it would flood. And there were like these floorboards, like two by, not two by fours. I don't know what kind of boards they are, but they were like these long wide planks. And if you step on them, like if the barn was flooding, you could like sailboat to the back of the barn. <laughs> it was Perfect. a mess. <laughs> and and before then I would have never considered keeping my horse in that barn. Sure. Uh, so on Fletcher Street there's like one, two, one, two, three. There were four different barns, maybe five at once upon a time. So that's not the the barn that I grew up in. And even as a child, I didn't go in there because, you know, Al and Mr. Wayne and Tweety, that's Sharon, they they kept us away, you know, they kept their kids behind this gate. And we had our own little barn with 30 horses back there. Got it. And 
I just didn't know, but he, you know, the owner, he started talking these plans like with the roofer and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm sitting here with a roofer and the sky. Like I'm like kind of important a little bit. Yeah. So he got this rubber roof, this brand new roof put on and he got someone else, an electrician to redo the electricity. And I was like, okay, I can really see in here. Yep. <laughs> and it was like cobwebs and every, it was just, I'm traumatized. As well. <laughs> but you know, with a leaf blower and, you know, with one of the other horsemen that were, you know, here's a couple of bucks and take this leaf blower and, mm-hmm. and clean it out. And, you know, I had to throw boxes and trunks away that have been there since I was a child. And right. I got a lot of backlash from that because so-and-so built it in 1920 uh-huh. and blah, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. But ultimately it became this nice, that barn was the nicest barn on out of the rest of the barns on the, sh- the block. Mm-hmm. And you could like eat off the floor. It was that yeah. clean. And Love I was it. so proud of it. Now, now looking at how things are today and in the last bit of time as your role has developed, what does life look like on a daily basis for you as far as your work? I work for the police department. Department for the Mounted Patrol Unit. As a police civilian, I am, a, a, they call it a hostler, which is basically the caretaker of the horses. So I've been there for seven years. Oh. And the beginning of COVID, I took a leave of absence. So I have not been back yet, but you know, there's also Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy, which I don't think I would have been able to to operate two at the same time. Mm -hmm. And a day of Philadelphia Urban Riot Academy is, you know, it's a lot of phone calls and emails with the city and, you know, architects and everything else for this new location. And then I still have two horses on self-care, which I do daily. And then the rest, there's three and Chester County, two in Plymouth meeting. Wow. <laughs> you know, they're all on pasture or on a free lease, some sort or full board. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Until they can come back home okay. to their new home. Yeah. Tell me how that came to be. I know there was a developer that has purchased the land and you're in the process of, you know, changing locations and all of that. How did that come to be and, and where are you at in that process? So there you know, you would always, growing up on Fletcher Street, I would, you always hear that someone is like going to redevelop something. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, here we go with this again. Right. Even until the past four years, I'm like, okay, this is really happening. Hmm. <laughs> and so a good friend of mine, he, you know, basically gave, he helped the producers, Ricky Stubb and Dan Walzer of Neighborhood Film Company, write this movie. You know, he gave them stories and, and, you know, they basically built the film, you know, not only from a book, but from Eric and, you know, there's another guy, Jamil Prattis. He was one of the local actors in the film. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of their story collaborated and, you know, it's put together. Yeah. So Eric always wanted his, he, 
you know, he came from a different stable, not from Fletcher Street, but that's where he was as an adult. There's maybe once upon a time, like 30 plus, you know, stables in Philadelphia that house the urban black cowboys. And now there's like probably like three left, mm. Fletcher Street being one of the original. So Eric wanted to have like this stable. He wanted it to have his own program, what he could do for the community that was done for myself and his generation. Cause he's like 10 years older than that. He was 10 years older than I. And so the producers are like, okay, well, cause a lot of people come through Fletcher street and they make a commercial, write a book okay, and they pay you. And then that's it. Sure. These producers spent some time three, three years or so on Fletcher street. And they, you know, like, okay, well, how do we keep this going? Because all of these other stables have been knocked down due to gentrification. Hmm. So along with Eric, they started, you know, Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy. And I was just, you know, on his executive board and this, you know, the trainer of his horses, which he had like eight at the time. And, you know, it was, I had a million different hats. Right. So fast forward to a month before filming, he was killed. Mm. And the, you know, Ricky and Dan, like, well, hey, you know, we're about to start filming next month. You know, Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy, what are we going to do? And they're like, do you want to step up? And I'm like, uh, they're like, you don't have to answer right now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, give us some thought. We'll figure it out. You know, it's a lot to take in. And I'm like, Without thinking twice, actually, I'm like, he would come back and haunt me <laughs> if I did not. Because yeah. all he would talk about was his barn and his program and, mm. and his movie. So, sure. you know, since 2019, um, January, Philadelphia Urban Ride Academy has been moving slow than full force. Because <laughs> mm. you are the executive director. Yeah. So what does that kind of look like for you? I know you have a new fundraising campaign, the Fresh Start for Philly Youth, but what kind of things are you working on right now? We're still working with the city of Philadelphia and parks and recreation. We do have a location that we're just working out the fine print. We've had an architect on site to do a site plan. Wow. So it's going to be this <laughs> it's going to be an amazing facility, probably one of the most unique in the city. Wow, that's <laughs> so exciting. Gonna, yes, it is like that it's going to be outstanding. Wow. <laughs> so cool. I can't wait. I'm I'm sometimes in that area showing and my husband's family lives outside of Philly, so I cannot wait until things are up and running in the lo new location. I will for sure have to come check it out. Yes, for sure. Okay, I have the perfect small business for you to support this year, and that is our sponsor today, Christian Lowe Leather Care. Christian has been working with some of the top saddle makers and leather workers in the equestrian space for some time now, and he truly understands the importance of protecting and moisturizing your saddle and your other leather products to really have them withstand everything we do as equestrians. So he has created his own line 
line of leather care products, balms, oils, soaps, to do just that. Everything is created in small batches and created by him. So it is just an incredible business I would love for you to check out. Make sure you head over to his website at christianlow.ca. That's christianlow.ca. You can also find his products over at greenhawk.com, as well as many independent retailers across Canada. So make sure you go check it out. Thank you so much, Christian Low Leather Care. All right, let's head back to the episode. Tell me a little bit, because I know in in my kind of niche of the hunter-jumper world, Missy Clark is a big name, and she's been on the podcast, and I know that you are partnering with her and North Run for this fundraising campaign. Tell me a little bit about how you got in touch with Missy and, and what you guys are doing together to raise money for the new facility. So Missy is, she reached out to me maybe in June uh, of last year, 2020, mm-hmm. and she was very humble and like sure. reserved. Like I didn't know who she was, so mm-hmm. she said, "You know, I'm I'm active on the hunter jumper world. I don't know if you know too much about that. Yeah, and I would like to talk to you." I'm like, "Okay, well, you know, I I've competed on the Mid Atlantic and stuff growing up my whole life." So she's kind of like. Psh- Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So she, she asked about who we are and we scheduled like this phone conference. I'm like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I sent her like, I'm like, well, I have this one pager that I've been like tweaking and changing and adding. And so I sent that to her and before our, our phone conversation, so she could have more of an idea and understanding of who we are, what we're doing. And we talk. And so as we're talking, I'm texting my best friend. We have been like, our moms are like good friends. And we have been like two peas in a pod since we were like seven years old. She's mm-hmm. also on the hunter jumper. She's gone way farther than I had. So I'm like, do you know Melissa Clark? <laughs> and, she, and she said, no. And then she said, you mean Missy Clark? Yeah, I, yeah, I guess. And she was like, yeah, why? <laughs> I'm like, because she just messaged me and said that she wants to, like, talk to me about a possible partnership or sponsorship. She said, are you kidding me? I'm like, yeah, like, who is she? So she, <laughs> like, gave me, like, a quick rundown of who Missy Clark was. I still didn't process it because I've been like in the western world again so I'm like so let me get on google and I'm like okay okay (laughs) so my cousin's like you know this is like a big deal yeah and I'm like really okay (laughs) cool (laughs) so yeah (laughs) so it just we begin talking about like how I mean I I know about her article in the chronicle of the horse and like and I and she was really upset about it. Yep. And and I told her, like, you know, I don't think that you said anything wrong, honestly. It's it it could have been worded differently, but you don't see you you're you live in your own little bubble <laughs> in <laughs> your own utopia. And that's not something that, you know, really would be on your radar. And that's okay. And it's not 
and I and I did tell her it's not what you said or how you felt or may have not felt before. It's what you do from that moment forward mm-hmm. that you, it is brought to your attention. I guess the backlash she was getting from the media, like you know, really hurt her feelings. And I'm like, no, don't don't let it. Yeah. So and it started off like that, and we, you know, she was like, well, how about we do this program together called City to, to Show Jumping? I'm like. Well, how about, you know, concrete to show jumping? Because I'm the concrete cowgirl. Yeah. We are this movie concrete cowboy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I have concrete horsemanship. So let's do that. It's she, gotta be. She's like, I love it. And so she had like this logo made and then she got these hats. I'm like, oh, she's really serious. Yeah. Okay. Like I just wasn't, I'm not used to like, a complete stranger just coming up hmm. and showering so much support. Wow. And, you know, we, the more we would talk through the months, she, it what everything wasn't about horses. We were just like, you know, she was like, we've developed like this friendship. Like, hmm. and I'm like, wow, I know how we started, but she is like a really, really, really close friend of mine and mm. and I think that's important so and also I you know we were talking about I was showing my yearling at the time and I'm like oh my god Appaloosa world is coming up and mm. and you know I we just a general conversation she's and then she just say you're going I'm like no <laughs> no I'm not <laughs> I can't like there's no way possible and she said, don't give me the date. And she contacted Johnson's horse transportation. Mm. She said, they're picking your horse up. You got a round trip. And she had like this, found this company to make this trunk for me. And it says the concrete cowgirl. And then oh. the clothes horse made like these curtains, stall curtains. I'm like, it was just like, she made all of that happen. And I'm like, wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Like so cool. I mean, I was sold on her before then, but yeah. I'm like, wow. Yeah. yeah. So that's I mean, that's and, such a cool picture of people from maybe like two different parts of the community. You know, we, we are part of the equestrian world, but there's so many different little divisions and niches within the industry based on discipline and geographical location. And it's so cool to see a story like this of Two people coming from like different areas of the industry becoming so close and having such a special bond. Yes. She, she always calls me her angel or, you know, you're my angel. And I'm like, no, no, I think you're mine. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, this, like, I'm learning so much from Mm -hmm. her. And it's just, just maybe a few weeks ago. And I'm like, I, I had a board meeting and we're like, talking about this fundraising campaign Mm -hmm. and the producers of the film, they're also on my executive board. Mm. So I'm like, listen here, you guys, we have a space. I want to add Missy Clark to the board. Yeah. Everyone voted I, and I asked her after I got their votes and, and she said she would love to. I'm like, Oh my God. Okay, great. Wow. So she is, she is definitely family. 
Yeah, that is so cool. That is such a cool story. (laughs) I want to touch a little bit more on Concrete Cowboy because I feel like that is such a fun highlight of kind of what's going on with you and your life right now with the movie and you were in it. And you did like some stunt doubling and you were, you know, part of the movie. And I just think that that's so cool. I saw you with a feature from Wrangler, which like, okay, no big deal. Wrangler's like (laughs) huge. So talk to me a little bit about all of that. So Concrete Cowboy, it was like, of course I knew the film was going on like through my friend Eric. And it's like that rough time, like, everything happened so fast with like his death and stuff. And Ricky, Dan and Stacy, they're like, well, Eric was like our navigation Mm -hmm. around Fletcher street. It was constant calls and texts. And I'm trying to help out however I can to, you know, navigate them through who is who this is what, uh, we're doing here and how to do this and the whole nine. So they, it was like a a, a process of, it was really busy that like before filming, because I was, you know, just doing bar manager stuff too, still for Fletcher street. Mm -hmm. And they did meet a few of the, they, they developed a relationship with a few of the other horsemen. And, and so it took the pressure off of me and I'm like, Mm-hmm. Okay, so it started filming. I was there on set. Me and a, a few of my fellow horse people ran from Fletcher Street, and it was just like, okay, you just Elba just walked by me. No big deal. Is that Method Man? I think that's Method Man. Oh, okay, that's no no problem. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> huh, that looks like the guy from um, Stranger Things. That is him. Okay, okay. Yeah, he just okay. said hi to me. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And it's like, you know, what's the cutie's name from when they see us? Is that him right there? I think that's him. <laughs> and that's the lady from Orange is the New Black. So wow. I'm just like, huh. And they're just talking to me. Did he just take a He did take a picture. Is his arm around my? Okay. I think <laughs> <laughs> so like the first day it's like, oh my God, oh my God. And then as the month went on or days went on, you know, they're like coming up to to me and everyone else. Like, hey, Aaron, what's that? Like, hi. Like, it was like there were regular people, and cool. it's it's you didn't. I didn't feel like they were like Idris Elba anymore, and they just felt like you know regular people were working on this project, trying to get it done. I mean, granted, I was VIP for everything, but mm-hmm. you know, my mom was like, "I have to come see Idris Elba." I'm like. Ugh okay, like, if you must, um, come this day and time, mom, that's, this is Idris, Idris, this is my mom, Method Man, this is my mom, like, <laughs> no big deal, so, but, you know, f- filming, I was an extra in a f- quite a few of the scenes, well, a lot of them, but when I actually saw the movie, I, I think I only saw myself, like, maybe four times, <laughs> And I was a stunt double. So anytime you see a woman riding a horse, (laughs) just tannering down the street. Yep. (laughs) That just might be Erin. That's so funny. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah. 
That is so cool. And then Wrangler, that's like a, I mean, Wrangler, and I'm not even in the Western world, but it's like a bucket list brand for me to work with. So how did that kind of come to be? Was that after the movie unraveled and and became available for people to watch? When did that kind of come to be? It was after the movie for sure. Last summer, so much has been going on. Like we just got like these sponsorships from Stateline Tech and Dover. One of the the younger kids, or well, he's eighteen now, he messaged me and he's like, "Aaron, I sent Wrangler a message and they responded to me on Instagram." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so he screenshotted. It sent, a, took, sent a screenshot to me. I'm like, oh, how cute. Okay. Well, let me formally do this from a director's standpoint and send them a formal email and introduce myself. Lo and behold, they set up this call and they love what we're doing. And they're, they, you know, so they would love to do some kind of sponsorship with us. Hmm. And they, you know, have been working with us since. And that was maybe August of 2020. Cool. And fast forward to 2021, one of their media people reached out to me and said that they wanted to feature the Concrete Cowgirl on Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy for um, Black History Month. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. And a couple of, so everyone that was supposed to be there from Philadelphia Urban Riot Academy. This one had to work. This one had to work. This one has to go to a funeral. I'm like, okay. Because mm. it was kind of like last minute in the week before. Yeah. So they were like overnighting clothes and everything like that. And I'm like, well, none of my horses that are broke are also close by. I have the yearling <laughs> and, and the four-year-old who's not broke. Yeah. So they're like, that's fine. I'm like, it's just going to be me. They're like, okay, we could just do the concrete cowgirl. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> okay. Love yeah. that. that. And I so also cool. did like a, a mini documentary and a few of the other guys, I don't know what it's for Red Wing that should be out in March sometime. We did Ooh. that in November, okay. but that will be out in March. Oh, exciting. And where can yeah. people uh, watch it? I don't know. I think I would, think that it would be on Red Wing's social mm-hmm. media. Okay, perfect. And yeah, they haven't given me too many details. They just said it would be like released in March. Amazing. Okay, cool. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. So tell me about an area of the equestrian industry as a whole that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian industry either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk that much about. Um, I think I'm, I'm passionate about, I love every, almost every, well, Western and English events. I, I, I love them, but I'm passionate about how horses affect the inner city youth. Hmm. I am. And I, I think, you know, like on this show circuit you don't know on any of the show circuits you don't know everyone's background or where Mm -hmm. they come from and you know I know from myself growing up I didn't have a riding arena to you know 
with a full course of jumps. I had right. a lot with tires and chairs and yeah. trash cans and bricks. Mm. And so, but you know, I'm in the show ring and, and winning, you would never know what I'm going home to, to this residential neighborhood and yeah. in the hood of Philadelphia with horses. Sure. So I'm very, and, and, and horses have molded me down a straight, they've kept me straight and narrow because I was my mom's wayward child. And I can only imagine some of my mm-hmm. friends that are not in the horse industry. Mm-hmm. I probably would have been dipping and dabbing with some of the stuff they've been doing because we were, you know, we're friends yeah, and sure. a lot of them aren't here um, mm-hmm. today. So it, I'm passionate about what horses can do for underprivileged youth, for anyone that's having any kind of like issues, mental, and it's, it's just all around therapy. I'm, I'm passionate mm-hmm. about change. I'm mm-hmm. passionate about progression and that kind of thing. And you don't really see, you know, these behind the scenes stories on these big show circuits. Definitely. Yeah. I think that that's, it's amazing. Have, how are you able to reach out to that group of youth, the inner city kids to get them to come to programs like yours um, where they can be involved in riding or just involved in horses and be a part of that and develop that passion? Typically, like if I were still on Fletcher street, we're going to re rewind 10, 10 plus years ago, yeah, kids yeah. just wandered in the stable. Sure. And they would, you know, or they would just sit there until someone acknowledges them. And next thing you know, they're touching a horse, grooming a horse, and mm-hmm. they want to learn how to ride. They come yeah. with their friends and their friends like, ew, you riding them horses? <laughs> those same, ew, you riding those horses kids are the next ones to jump up on a horse. Hmm. So. I did have a meeting with a city neighborhood group two years ago to let them know who we are. And we're coming into this new section of Philadelphia with this program that we would be neighbors, what we are going to offer and where the barn is going to be located. I'm pretty sure that it's just history is just going to repeat itself and kids are going to wander (laughs) into the barn. I mean, it's, it's open, but you cannot not miss it yeah. where it's located at. So kids are wandering the barn and, you know, here's a release form. Take this to your mama mm-hmm. and let, or whoever your caregiver is and let them know where you are. Yep. And that's it. And, you know, the, the, the trick is, which they did for myself and generations before me, is you have to, education is important. So you have to make sure your grades are in order if you want to, you know, ride. If this is what you like doing, you know, it's always like this leverage thing that works. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you want to ride horses, you have to have passing and and good grades in school. Right. Or you can't go to the barn. Or if you do go to the barn, you'll be sitting there doing homework (laughs) while everyone else is riding and you're just watching, which also promotes like this kind of, oh my God. They're going to a show this weekend and I can't go. Let me get Mm. my stuff together so I can ride. So it works hand in hand. Right. For the kids that are going to go to a show and do, you know, 
more things involving riding and uh, competing. What, how do you handle that as far as cost and horses? Like, what are the logistics of making something like that happen? Usually, since uh, Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy is fairly new, mm-hmm. we haven't had any of that going on. But we would cover the cost if it's the kids within that program. If it's private students and private lessons, they are of course, responsible sure. for the cost. And, and I'm taking, and I've learned this from working at Work to Ride as I was her uh, lead riding instructor for, for years. And I ran her Work to Ride program for the new, for the younger kids. Mm-hmm. So I know there, you know, the kids that were in the Work to Ride program, of course, when they, they would show all the time, Work to Ride would cover mm-hmm. their entry fees. And my private students, their parents pay for that. Got it. Amazing. Cool. Well, I just love to hear just a preview of all the things that you have done and continue to do and are working on. And I just thank you so much for taking the time and I wish you all the best this year. Thank you so much for having me. And I would love if you would come visit us once We're up and operational. (laughs) Seriously, yes. Next time I am up in that neck of the woods, which hopefully it'll be a little warmer when I'm up there. I would love to visit and meet you in person. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.